0: Grace to in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Saviour Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for today is from the gospel according to Saint Luke, the twelfth chapter. My dear friends in Christ, you're in an airplane. You're alone in that airplane. You take the controls and you drive them straight into the ground. Somehow, miraculously, you survive. You survive, but you're in a place where there is this giant ocean in front of you, and it's full of sharks. You can see all of them sitting right there, just waiting for you to step into it. And there is a giant cavern that goes behind you. And from that cavern, you hear a sweet voice saying, come, come this way to safety. You don't have a choice. You can't go swimming with the sharks. You can't stay on that rocky beach where there's no food, no vegetation, no animals. All you have to escape is the cavern. So you make your way into the cavern, into the dark. And the voice calls to you, Step right. Now go left. Avoid the big spire in the middle. The voice is sweet, so you keep trusting it. You keep following it. But all around you, you begin to hear snarls. And you begin to see just by the light that you have, that small little pen light that you happen to have in your pocket, you can see eyes reflecting at you in the dark. And as you make your way, the snarls get closer and closer and closer. And the voice still cries out, come this way, come to me. You feel like you don't have a choice, but you have to follow. Till finally, there's a break in the ceiling. And the light of the sun shines through it, and there you see the most gigantic wolf you have ever seen in your life. I don't just mean a wolf, I mean like a wolf the size of the Empire State Building, standing in this giant cavern. And as you look around you, this giant wolf is there, and surrounding you are all these other wolves that you know are snarling. They've got blood on their snouts. They've got uh, snot dripping out of their noses. These are horrible things to look at, and you know that they're coming at you. And this giant wolf speaks with that sweet voice, run. And so you do. All of a sudden you stop. And you think, what am I doing? I'm going to be gobbled up. Because all of a sudden this wolf has started snarling too. And while he snarls, he still speaks sweetly, run. What do you do? In this moment, I would highly suggest you run under the wolf and fall under his protection. Because the wolf is not snarling at you, it is snarling at everything coming for you. And he begins to lash out and strike out at all those things that are coming at you. He is destroying them one by one, but certainly at a cost. Ultimately, that giant wolf dies and flips over, revealing an iron belly, and he happens to flip over just enough to protect you so that nothing else can harm you. Now, this is perhaps thinly veiled, but you know what I'm talking about. That giant wolf is our Christ, who speaks sweetly to you. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will protect you. I will bring you into safety from all the death that surrounds you. That plane you crashed, that is your own life. You have crashed it. There is no hope for you. The sharks and the wolves are... All the world and its demons that are trying to take you into the pit of hell. See, Jesus, we often think of the meek and mild shepherd, don't we? We don't think of him as the strong, fierce warrior. The one who becomes sin on the cross. I mean, literally, that's what the scriptures say. It's not even just that he takes our sin to himself, but that he becomes the entire embodiment of sin. And thus he's killed. And he dies, protecting you. Jesus has not come to bring peace on earth. But instead, he comes to bring division. You might go, well, that doesn't sound like our good Jesus. But what if that division isn't there just to say, I'm going to cause division. I'm going to be that person in the office who gossips about everybody so that everyone is in an uproar. The person who's at the family reunion and loves to do the same. Or the person who loves to brake check people on the highway as people get too close. You know what I mean by that. They stomp on their brakes so the other person has to stomp too. And they cause accidents everywhere they go. That's not the division Jesus Christ comes to bring. This division is a division between that which is righteous and that which is unholy. This division is there in order to save those to whom he belongs and who belong to him. That division is there for protection. After all, Imagine you're in this giant fortified city and there's an army at the gate. Is the wall that divides you from the conquering army a good thing or a bad thing? It's good, but that wall is causing division and that's a good thing. When Christ says, I come to bring division, this is what he's talking about. He's not here to make us all sing Kumbaya and wander around like hippies where we're all holding hands and saying, peace and love, meet me in San Francisco. That's not our Jesus. Our Jesus is the one who speaks to you sweetly. But who is an absolute wolf and a terror. To anything that is unholy. He has come to destroy them. And he will. And he will. Now, for us, we need to realize first, we were once unholy. You were once walking in the darkness. You once were one of those wolves with blood on its snout. You were a sinner. And according to that sinful flesh, you still are a sinner. But Christ has transformed you. He has given you a new nature. He has given you himself. And so while you do struggle against that sinful flesh all the days of your life, that new nature within you says you are not this sinner. You are one of Christ's redeemed. You are, as we often say, a saint. And that is our identity before God. We sin, but we are sainted. And this is good. It is good. For if we are sainted, then we may have confidence that the wolf that comes to destroy this world is not going to destroy us as well. Because we are no longer the wolves. We are only his own. We are those who hear his call and listen to him. But he is coming to cause division. He's coming to protect you. It's hard to imagine, I think, maybe for some of us, maybe not for others, the kind of family dynamics that would need protection from a father and a son, or son against a father, or a mother against a daughter, or a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. What kind of family dynamics have to be going on that it's better that there be a dividing wall between them? In our worldly sense, we can think of a few situations, right? Abuse, neglect, more abuse, more neglect. But in Jesus' mind, that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is that one who is righteous in a household is attacked by one who is unrighteous. Not physically, not emotionally, not psychologically, but religiously. Where the unrighteous and the holy meet, there Christ is protecting the holy ones. When he says, I have come to bring division, this is what he's speaking of. He is there in that place to protect those who belong to him. And that is good. We often want to see Jesus as the meek and mild shepherd of the sheep. We see Jesus as the one who goes silently to the cross. We see Jesus as the one who lets people do whatever they want to him as he's led on the way to that hill. And that's good. We do need this Jesus. But Jesus is bigger than this. And here's the thing too, friends. Your Jesus speaks a message That the world can't stand. Put yourself back in the cavern. He is calling out to you to follow in his way. To come to where he is that he might protect you. The entire cavern is full of enemies who would destroy you. They hate his call. They want to rip you apart piece by piece. They hate him and they hate you for listening to him. The world loves it if they can get their teeth into you. They love you when they can bite you, snarl at you, and eat you up. The world loves it if you are separated from Christ. But if you're listening to him, they hate you. They will always hate you. They will always seek to destroy you. Because your call then to everyone else who crashes onto that beach, and all of us do, is to follow in the footsteps of the Savior. And the world can't stand that. The world won't stand for that. And the world will seek to destroy you. The message of peace that Christ brings to you is a message, it's a declaration of war upon the world. And they will not stand for it. I have said for some time that Americans, we don't really know what it is to be persecuted. But we can begin to see the signs, can't we? They're out there. They're coming. And that's not a bad thing. Persecution is a blessed thing. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If the world comes for you, let it. Let Jesus be the one who brings division and not you. It's true, we speak the truth. There are so many things that we could pick on, right? Homosexual agenda that's out there. This idea that men can be women and women can be men. These things are out there. Living together before marriage. I mean, all of these things. The world just says, yeah, this is fine, let's do it. And if you do it, the world begins to tear you apart. Not because in that way you're living against them, but that's the first act. If they can convince you that something other than God's truth is true, you're missing an arm. You're missing a foot. You miss your head. And so it's true. We have to go out and we have to speak that truth of God as well we don't do it in a way that, well, we're jerks. We do it in a way that we live peaceably with those who are around us. Because it's not our job to bring the division. Christ has already done that in his word. In fact, the scriptures tell us, in as far as you are able, live peaceably with everyone. And many places in the scriptures, they talk about living with your brothers and sisters and what it's like to have this church around you and what it's like for us to work together as the church. But... Christ says, Live peaceably with everyone, not just your brothers and sisters. Jesus chides the people around him. He makes fun of them. He calls them hypocrites. Again, this is not the peaceful Jesus that we think of, right? You hypocrites. You see that cloud rising in the west, and you know that a shower is coming. You feel the scorching heat wind out of the south, and you say there's going to be a big old heat. We know how to read the weather. And for Pete's sake, I mean, we still do the same. Don't you often find yourself watching the weather and knowing more than the weathermen? Because you can go outside, and well, you feel it in your knee, don't you? Or you feel the wind coming in just the right way, and they'll say it's going to be sunny, and you know it's going to rain. They say it's going to be cold, and you know it's going to be a hot day. We know how to read these things. We live in Wisconsin. We know that when the leaves begin to change, autumn is coming and the first snow is not far behind. We know that when the buds start sprouting on the the trees, that, well, we're probably going to get at least one more good snow and it's all going to melt within a day. We know how this works. We can read the seasons, we can read this world like a book. We know what's coming. But Jesus says, you look at this stuff and you can figure out what's coming, but you look at everything else, the signs and the times, and you don't know how to interpret that? Open your eyes. We often pine for what was. I always hear about how the Synod was just so great back in the 50s. I hear how great even our church was back in the 80s, and perhaps I'm even guilty of it myself. We think of what was in the past. Well, I got up news for you. The people in the past didn't read the Times. They didn't prepare themselves. They didn't see what was coming. And so here we are. A church here in the city of Milwaukee that has shrunk considerably. Which does not do anything for you, believe me. You are faithful and this is a blessed thing. Thank God for that. But in terms of numbers, we're small. We're in a church in America, the larger church, that didn't prepare for all of the onslaught of what was going to be coming to them through social dynamics. They didn't prepare. We didn't have answers We were scrambling in 1973 when Roe v. Wade went into effect. We were scrambling in the late or the mid-20 teens when Obergefell went into effect, gay marriage. Why aren't we preparing for what is to come? We should be looking to Jesus to see exactly who he is, what he said, and what he will do to this world. Because the more we dive into Jesus, the more we see who he is, what he's taught us, what he's given for us, the more we are prepared for what's to come because we can now imagine every depravity under the sun and how Jesus answers each and every single one of them. What's next in America? We've started to see it. They call them minor attracted persons. This is coming for us. Polygamy, polygyny, which is the same as polygamy, just reverse the genders. Forced, coerced mutilation of body parts. Who knows what's next? But the more we dive into what Jesus says about this world, the more we can expect the worse we will get. And my friends, that's okay. That's Okay. Your Jesus is going to take care of you. Your Jesus is dividing you from the world. Your Jesus has taken you, you who were a sinner, and by his cross and resurrection has given you the very life that he has had so that he can take the death that you owe to him. Your Jesus will protect you. Because if he can do that at the font, if he can redeem you from the devil in this place with just mere water, if he can strengthen you, body and soul, with his body and blood, if he can give you the power to endure by just the speaking of a word, forgiven then what can the world do? All that's required is that God speaks, and the world cowers under his threat. So what is it that Jesus speaks to you? Peace. Peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. That peace is not a peace that is unviolent. It is a peace that destroys the world so that you may be at peace. Your Jesus is looking to that day when he is coming and he will take you from this place and bring you into a peace that never ends, where all of your enemies are under your feet, you are crushing their skulls right along with him, then you may know peace. You have a foretaste of it now, but that peace is coming. That day when you are raised from the dead, you'll look around you and you will see no enemy who can attack you. You will see no enemy that does any violence to you. It will not be anything within you, and it will not be anything or anyone from outside of you. For indeed, Christ is all in all. And he brings you peace, even while he does violence to the world. So trust, my friends, in that sweet Still, small voice of your Jesus, who cries to you with good words, that you might depend on him, but snarls at the world. Trust in him, for he will see you through. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.